Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Are You Freaking Kidding Me podcast with me, Joe Vigiano. On this episode, I'm going to be focusing on uh, a lot of uh, New York sports here uh, and the depression that has come with it. And then uh, towards the end of the episode, I'm going to talk a little bit more about uh, about Michigan and, and the uh, ridiculous way that the Big Ten is handling this situation and my thoughts on how it's being handled from uh, start to finish. Look, I can't sugarcoat uh, the way sports has been treating me and my fellow New York uh, sports fans this year. It's It's been rough. It's been a rough one. Uh, outside of the Knicks giving us a little bit of excitement uh, last year, um, the Islanders and Rangers giving us some excitement uh, in the playoff, you know, at least getting to the playoffs. And then, uh, yeah, outside of that, the baseball season was a complete dud. The football season is shaping up to be a complete dud. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's tough, especially when you're talking about baseball being as long of a sport as it is, going from April to October. Football going from September to February. You know, if uh, if you're not really a uh, basketball or hockey fan, that oh my god, this is just uh, a completely depressing time for you because you really have had nothing to cheer for all year, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any easier uh, in the near future. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to get started with uh, with the football season because, of course, uh, that's what uh, we're actively in right now, and my god, what a what a terrible weekend this was for uh, both the Jets and the Giants. Let's start with the uh, with the Jets uh, as they went to Las Vegas, took on the uh, Raiders, and and came up short. And if there's one thing that has been consistent this entire year since uh, Zach Wilson has been uh, the starting quarterback for the Jets, uh, they can't score touchdowns. They can get in the red zone, they can they can get close to the end zone, but they can't push it across the goal line. And uh, you're not going to win a lot of games if you can't push it across the goal line. And uh, that was evidenced uh, yesterday as the Jets did not score a single touchdown. Uh, they did kick a whole bunch of field goals, but uh, of course the field goals were not enough as they, uh, they took a loss to the Las Vegas Raiders as Antonio Pierce improves to two and zero as the interim head coach for the Raiders. Ah, uh, you know when when you play a team like the Raiders, a team that has been a laughing stock for um, multiple years now. I mean, sure they had a nice little, uh, you know, uh, they made the playoffs a couple years ago and quickly got eliminated, but. Uh, since then, it's been a laughing stock for them. They have not been a good. They've not been a good football team, and they tried to shift things a little bit by getting rid of Derek Carr and uh, bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo. And those things didn't work either because uh, they continued to not really do anything. But now, all of a sudden, they fire Josh McDaniels. Uh, Antonio Pierce takes over as head coach. He immediately benches Jimmy Garoppolo and and starts their rookie uh, quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, out of uh, Purdue. And 
they've won back-to-back games, of course, at the New York team's expenses. Uh, as last week, they just completely beat up on the Giants. And this week, they played in a uh, little bit of a struggle against the Jets, but, but ended up uh, on top in that struggle last night on Sunday Night Football. As far as the other team in New York, the, the Giants... They got embarrassed once again by uh, the Dallas Cowboys, losing that one 49-17, officially uh, losing that uh, season series two, <laughs> two games to none, being outscored in those games by a combined total of 89-17. to I mean, last yesterday, if anybody thought the Giants were going to win, you were out of your mind. There, there was no way that they even had a chance in that game. The Cowboys coming off of a loss in a tough game against uh, the Eagles. The Giants not really having anything figured out offensively still. Um, yeah, th- th- this was a re- recipe for disaster, and it completely played out that way. Um, the Cowboys gained over 640 yards of offense. 640 yards of office, offense. You know how hard that is to do? I, I mean, really, you know how hard it is to do? 640 yards of offense. And of course, yeah, they're, they're going to score a lot of points. They scored 49 points on 640 yards of offense compared to, the, what, the, to what the Giants did. And uh, I don't even think the Giants got one-fifth of what uh, Dallas gained Offensively yesterday, not even a fifth. The Giants. I mean, let's just let's just call a spade a spade here. Brian Dable is another Ben McAdoo. He's another Ben McAdoo. Had a great first season, just like Ben McAdoo did, uh, and could not follow it up in year two. And at this point now, they've quit on him. The, the team has quit on him. There's no way you can see anything different. This was a defense that was in the top half of the league last year, and now they can't stop anybody? This was an offense that at least performed at mid-level last year. They, are, they ranked 32nd in scoring offense and 32nd in passing offense this year. They're averaging 150 yards passing a game. And in this NFL that's not a recipe for success. That's not a recipe for success at all. You can't throw for 150 yards in this league on average and win games. And the Giants record is playing out as such as they only have two wins. Um, And their schedule doesn't get easier. They still have to face the Eagles twice. They still got the Commanders one more time. They still have other teams on their schedule that they have to face. Sure, they might win one against New England, and that's because New England might be matching just as bad uh, of a football level as the Giants are right now. <laughs> and and my God, they still have they still have the Rams left. So they got the Rams, they got the Patriots. They got two games against the Eagles. They got a game against Washington. They they don't stand a chance 
they'll be lucky to win one or two more games this year. They'll be lucky to win one or two more games this year. Outside of those one and two games, no. And the games against the Eagles, don't even bother watching. I know there's a lot of diehard fans there, but trust me, you're not going to want to watch this massacre. These these games are going to get ugly. And even when the Eagles play their uh, third string or second string in uh, week 18, because neither the Giants or the Eagles will have anything to play for, because uh, I'm assuming the Eagles will have the division wrapped up by then, and the Giants will be uh, long gone in terms of the playoff picture. That is going to be an ugly game, even still. And, I'll, and I'm just going to put it like this. I don't know if Dable is going to be uh, making it through the season if things continue as bad as they are. It's one thing to lose. It's another thing to continuously get embarrassed. The last two weeks, the Giants have been outscored 79-23. to 79-23 to in the last two weeks. And one of those weeks was against a team that couldn't score any points. But the Giants got them right. The Giants got them right. And then this week, the, the Cowboys, who struggled against uh, Philly the week prior, obviously taking the loss, uh, come in and face the Giants and got themselves right. The Giants are everybody's get-right game at this point. And it's a, it's a shame to see. It really is a shame to see. This, this was a team that looked like they were starting to get Things on the right track. They suffered a couple of tough losses, and now they have no leadership. There's no leadership in that locker room. Not not at the coaching level. Not any of the players. Even the you know the team captains, the ones that are supposed to be the leaders of that team. Uh, none of them are holding any of their teammates accountable. None of them are holding their teammates accountable, and that is how it gets this bad. It's not just on the coach. It's not just on the rest of the coaching staff, you have to look at the leadership within the locker room, and that, and that is the players. None of them are doing their jobs. None of the captains, the coaches, nobody. And that is why it is as bad as it is with the Giants right now. And that is going to cause somebody to get fired, maybe, maybe a couple of people to get fired, if not an entire coaching staff. But the Giants really need to do a deep dive and, and look within at that roster and start blowing this thing up because it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked for a while now. Sure, they've had a season here, a season there, you know, like last year where they had a season where they were successful. And that was because things went right from the start. But when things don't go right from the start for the Giants, it's like they roll over and die midseason. And this is setting itself up to be that way once again. And it is pathetic. I, I can't even imagine the Giants looking for yet another coach after this, after this regular season. But it looks like that could be very much a possibility right now. There are a couple of bright spots, though, I will say, uh, in terms of New York sports. But uh, right now, that is in the hockey and basketball world. Uh, in the hockey world, the Rangers are uh, still leading the Metropolitan Division. 
Uh, they have an 11 and two record. They've just been, uh, taking names and, and kicking ass, uh, the entire, uh, start of the season so far. It's been, uh, it's been a really good start to their year. They're, uh, putting it all together offensively and defensively and, and doing enough to win these close games that they've been in. Uh, just, just exactly what you'd want to see as a, as a Ranger fan is, uh, the Rangers coming out and, and winning close games, and it doesn't matter who they have in net either. Uh, they're getting production uh, regardless of who's been uh, in goal. Um, but as far as the other teams in, in the local area, the Devils have fallen back a little bit, but that was uh, kind of expected due to uh, the Hughes injury as he is week-to-week uh, -week right now. But the Islanders, they've taken a nosedive. They've lost four straight games and five out of their last six games. Uh, just what can you say? Uh, the the, uh, the goaltending has been not good enough. They haven't scored enough goals. Uh, they, they just keep falling short in games that they should win. And uh, it's not looking good, good for them right now. They need to figure it out and, and turn around in a hurry because the rest of their division is very competitive. And if they fall too far behind, it's going to be too much for them to catch up. That's just the unfortunate reality of the, uh, of the Islanders right now. Uh, the Rangers are, uh, like I said, playing really good hockey and uh, they're uh, out in front of the metropolitan division. Now, as far as basketball is concerned, the Knicks have been uh, playing really well as of late. They've won uh, their last three games. They're now at uh, five and four on the year, but uh, they still have some work to do, obviously, but uh, they're making progress. Uh, just getting a little bit of good, of good things happening for them. Hopefully that uh, gives them some momentum to build off of and, and continue uh, as the season progresses. And then the Nets, they've, uh, pretty much been a 500 team this whole season uh they're currently at five and five so them them and the knicks are uh, neck and neck in terms of uh records um obviously the knicks recently been playing much better basketball uh but the nets have been somewhat consistent they they win a couple they lose a couple they win one they lose one and uh that's how they get to the five and five record that they have so, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see still how, uh, this season progresses for the, for the Nets and, and see if they can actually do something, uh, and make a little bit of a run as the season goes on. Now, as far as the state of the baseball teams, uh, as I mentioned in, uh, my previous podcast, uh, the, the Mets hired, uh, the Yankees bench coach Mendoza to be their manager. So now that leaves the Yankees without a bench coach. Uh, the Yankees just did fill their vacancy at uh, hitting coach. And they took the guy from the Detroit uh, Tigers. Um, not sure how I feel about that, honestly, because uh, the Detroit Tigers were only marginally better than the Yankees in terms of, uh, hitting last year in terms of batting average and and some of these other uh, statistics. Obviously, the Yankees had more home runs. 
Uh, but um, the Yankees couldn't do anything else right, so let's see what this guy does. Now, um, he was in the Yankees' uh, farm system as a, as a coach and supposedly has built some sort of rapport with uh, Aaron Judge during that time frame. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to result in uh, success at the major league level and as a hitting coach. I just hope he uh, has a much better uh, mindset and approach to uh, to hitting and scoring runs than uh, Dylan Lawson did. Um, as long as he doesn't say things like, I don't care what the stats are as long as we win games, uh, especially when the job of a hitting coach is to ensure that you know, the team hits and uh, produces runs in order to win those games. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, I want the Yankees to put victories first, but you got to do your part and uh, fill your role in order to get those things to happen. By the way, the name of that hitting coach is James Rosen. Uh, like I said, he most recently was hitting coach for the D Detroit Tigers. Um, yeah, I hope he has more success with the Yankees than he did with Detroit, but Detroit was a young team. Uh, they had a lot of guys that were not, uh, not very good, but, uh, again, hopefully that's just a talent issue, not necessarily, uh, him not coaching very well, but it could be a combination of the two. I guess we'll see, um, the Yankees, to me, right now, are just uh, trying to find cheap ways to get through uh, a lot of these hires, uh, which, to me, is also setting up for uh, what their offseason is going to be. Uh, of course, all the talking heads are thinking that the Yankees are going to be making a whole bunch of big moves, uh, and they think they're going to be the winners of the Juan Soto sweepstakes whenever uh, the Padres do decide to trade them. I don't know if I feel the same way about that, and the reason is this. The Yankees in recent years have uh, taken the cheap way out in terms of uh, putting together the team. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they haven't spent money. They have spent money. I mean, you have guys like Carlos Rodon uh, when they signed Darren Judge to the extension last year, um, Garrett Cole. But the Yankees have shown that they are not going to spend a lot of money on hitting and a lot of money on, on guys that can improve the roster at this point. Um, obviously, they did it for Judge because Judge is a once-in-a-lifetime type of talent, and uh, it would have been foolish to not pay Judge. But, uh, you know, the Yankees are, are taking the cheap way out when it comes to the rest of the lineup. Uh they're trying to rely on these young kids that uh, who knows what they are, who knows what they'll be. They did show some uh, flashes last uh, in uh, the last month and a half of the season that uh, half of them called up. Uh, Volpe, I still don't know what, uh, what to expect out of him because he certainly didn't hit uh, the way that I thought he would have as far as uh, an average uh, hitter. Uh, but he did, he did hit a lot of home runs. Um, again, I don't know how much of that is the, uh, the approach that, uh, the Yankees were forcing him to take or, uh, or if that's just how he is or just because he's young, like there's a lot of factors there that, that I really don't know all the details about, but, uh, 
Certainly, it was not what uh, I was hoping or expecting to see from uh, Volpe last year in terms of the av the batting average itself. So I hope that uh, that this uh, Rosen comes in and uh, and brings the Yankees back to hitting basics and gets them right instead of having them swing for the fences like some previous uh, hitting coaches were doing. Now, as far as the Mets are concerned, this offseason is going to be interesting, to say the least, uh, because we'll really get a, a sense of what Steve Cohen's really going to be like. Um, yeah, sure, he made a couple of big splashes last year that didn't quite uh, pan out, and he uh, got rid of them uh, at, at the soonest opportunity he could. Uh, but this offseason, let's see what he does because this could very well be something that uh, he puts a lot of money into the Mets and, and does whatever he can to uh, improve that roster, kind of kind of be the uh, the way that old George Steinbrenner was when, uh, when he owned the, owned the Yankees before he passed away. Um, that is what I've been expecting from the Mets even though I haven't really seen that sort of uh thing play out uh, like I thought but uh I'm curious to see what they do and whether or not uh Steve Cohen does uh, the things that uh Mets fans were expecting him to do when he bought the team and that was uh just start unloading a ridiculous amount of money to uh improve this team I think the biggest questions that I have for both the uh, Yankees and the Mets at this point, though, is going to be what players they're going all in on. It seems like both uh, teams are going to be in on the uh, starting pitcher uh, out of Japan, uh, Yamamoto. And uh, it seems like maybe the Mets, maybe the Yankees might be in on Shohei Otani. Um, of course, like I said, rumors about uh, Soto going to the Yankees uh, potentially, but I, I don't know about that. Uh, and then, of course, um, some of these big names that uh, just came off of the World Series, such as Jordan Montgomery uh, and, of course, Nathan Avaldi. Uh, are either either these teams going to be in on either of these guys or or? You know what? What are their postseason or uh, off-season plans? What are their off-season plans, and uh, what on earth uh, are the fans going to be talking about uh, as spring training comes closer and uh, these big, big-time players get uh, taken off the board and and uh, are signed somewhere? Now let's go to the world of college football and, and talk a little bit uh, more about this uh, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan situation. Uh, I, I'm just going to put it like this. The Big Ten messed up. They messed up the way that they have handled this situation. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Penn State fan, and I, I'm going to just put it like this. The way that they handled the Michigan situation and how they waited for Jim Harbaugh to be on a plane on – their way to State College, Pennsylvania, to get ready for a game against a top-ranked uh, Penn State uh, Nittany Lion team, and it it uh, it screamed desperation by the Big Ten. There, uh, that is not that is not the way you handle a situation, especially when you don't know all the facts at this point. 
And even if they did know all the facts, if they knew all the facts, uh, why are they waiting until the night before this game is supposed to take place to suspend a coach? That is an unfair, a very unfair way to handle that situation. And Michigan, in a sense, is lucky to have not been affected by it as they went into Penn State and and beat them. But then again, um, (laughs) Michigan's interim coach can uh, outcoach James Franklin, just like a lot of other uh, head football coaches can. Uh, but as far as the Michigan situation itself, um, you know, sure, they had people in the stands watching specifically for coaches' signals and probably videotaping them and bringing it back to uh, to the uh, coaching staff of the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, is it against the uh, the bylaws of the NCAA? Sure, sure it was. But uh, is it something that teams regularly do? Yeah, it is. Maybe not to uh, the extent that Michigan did it in terms of uh, going to the games and videotaping signals and so on and so forth. But uh, there's been rumors about Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Purdue all sharing signals as far as what Michigan was doing. Uh, and relaying it to each other's coaching staffs. To me, that is far more egregious than somebody that Michigan has hired to be part of their staff uh, going to a, another game and uh, scouting these guys off. That, to me, is far worse than that. I, I'd rather have somebody on their own coaching staff uh, do the things that Michigan did than having opponents share all the secrets of upcoming opponents. That, uh, to me, screams desperation, and that tells me that all these teams were afraid of Michigan and that Michigan gave them something to fear. Um, And that's exactly what happened there. Michigan has been running through everybody in the Big Ten over the last two years uh, pretty consistently, and and this year may very well be the third year. I think this Michigan-Ohio State game is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think there's going to be a lot of fireworks before the game. I think there's going to be a lot of fireworks during the game. Uh, I hope that both of these teams can keep it uh, clean between the lines and play a hard-fought, hard-nosed, old-school kind of football game. But uh, who knows what, what kind of extracurricular activity is going to happen in this game. I just feel like something could uh, boil over in this game. And, and this could either uh, intensify the rivalry even further or uh, really leave a, a black eye in terms of college football here. So I'm hoping for the former, not the latter. Um, but we'll find out in about uh, a little less than two weeks as to uh, how uh, competitive this game's going to be and and what kind of things happen before uh, kickoff, what kind of things happen uh, on the field during the games and, and so on and so forth. It, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. I can, I can guarantee you that much. But uh, in my opinion at this point, I, I kind of hope Michigan wins out uh, at least for the regular season, just based on the way that the Big Ten has handled the situation, uh, 
like I said, it, it was a pathetic way to handle that situation, and it shouldn't have happened the way it happened. If they were going to suspend Harbaugh, they should have done it earlier in the week or wait until, say, today uh, to suspend them. It, it was a travesty the way they handled that situation. Well, that's going to do it for me here on this episode of the Are You Freaking Kidding Me podcast. Uh, I hope everybody enjoys uh, their week and look forward to previewing the uh, upcoming slate of games uh, this weekend. Have a great day, everybody.